Hello and welcome to the British Grand Prix Review. This is the AJ on the Line podcast. This is 2022. These are Joe and Jimmy with us. And what a race that was. Joe, were you as ecstatic as I was? Because I, I, I've still not got over it. It's, it's an hour or so after the race and I... I Oh, I've just been making noises like this the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. It was a it was a really exciting race. Um, a bit of a shame we didn't get to see how the sort of strategy that had played out throughout the whole race played out. But in exchange, we got some of the best racing we've seen ever, really. So, whatever. I think we can get over it, Jimmy. It was a classic, wasn't it? A Silverstone classic. It was indeed. Yeah, Joe's absolutely right. I can't quite remember a race which had that much action in in terms of um, sort of overtaking uh, and yeah, that sort of stuff. So yeah, very exciting, especially the last sort of ten laps. Um, yeah, I was celebrating, you know, one corner, and then five corners later, I was in yeah, head in my hands, and then yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh, it was a brilliant race. That was all of us. That was all of us right there. Oh, it was incredible. (laughs) You you had five different teams competing for that podium at the end. Five different teams. And you had a six car or six cars that were capable of winning that race. It's, It's fair to say. Like some of them dropped out towards the beginning, but still it, it was superb. And the fans and the atmosphere and, that track in general is superb. Oh, what are we going to rate this one? Joe, we'll begin with you. Uh, I'll go for a nine. And I'm glad you said that because that's a Joe nine and that that's where I'm at. Nothing's ever a ten, is it? But oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there was a moment in that race where I, I sat back or, or, or thought, right, this is a bit boring now. The whole time I was bouncing around the room or, 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 or listening intently or looking at some data. I, like I was, I was soaking it all in. How were you during this race, Jimmy? And what are you going to rate it? Yeah, I'd probably give it a eight simply because... <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Simply because if there's another race which comes along that's better, I'm gonna. I can't give it a ten. So I'm just giving my bit of myself a bit of leeway. You could give it a nine absolutely. and a half. Yeah, but you could give it a nine point nine. There's always room for improvement. I would. I would say. Well, yeah, but um, there's room for improvement from a nine. There is, yeah, but yeah, I'll be gonna <laughs> stick with my eight for now, and then we'll see where things go further down the line. Covering your back, which is sensible uh, especially in the trade that we're in because (laughs) these things are recorded aren't they so i understand that jimmy but i think we are all united and unanimous in saying that was a brilliant race why don't we summarize it in a little game that joe and i started um it's a little bit of a play on the classic radio game just a minute where to remind you of the rules, everyone, and Jimmy, um, because I know Jimmy loved listening to us last time out. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to go round in a circle or a triangle, given that there's three of us. And when there is a pause or a hesitation, which is the same thing, uh, or, or an um, or repetition, uh, so that we, <laughs> something like this, where I'm talking now, it would then go on to the next person and we're going to try and summarize the race we can't be skipping straight to the end and saying something ridiculously small and that's not really possible with this race is it um but the person that gets to the end of describing this race is the winner okay and in terms of rotation i'm going to let jimmy begin given that he's new to this great spectacle Okay, it will then go to Joe and then back to me and then to Jimmy if I if I let go. Okay, are we all ready? Nope, I am indeed. Yeah, I'm gonna be fantastic at this. I can tell. (laughs) 
Right. Well, let's let's find that one out. Jimmy, in three, two, one, go. So it started off with a massive crash, and there's a red flag. Then it started again. Everybody went back to their original positions. Then you need went... to you need to give more details than that. Come on. Hey. Yeah, come okay, on, Jimmy. So who was who involved in the crash? What happened? Come okay, on. Okay, so let's go back. Who took the lead off the start as well? Go. Russell crashed into Zhao, then Zhao had a massive incident, and then he uh, <laughs> went into... <laughs> I think it goes okay, to Joe. Then, Next one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then he barrel rolled, uh, landed between the catch fence and the tyres. Big incident, red flag. It meant the race was reverted to its original starting grid because Max Verstappen had got the jump on Sainz at the initial start, but the grid was reset. Second start... I think that's repetition. Well held with the old swear word there And it was well held when it came to Carlos Sainz With his race restart Because he managed this time to keep Max Verstappen behind But not for long Because going through the corners Oh, I've forgotten the corner (laughs) name (laughs) Was it Chapel, Jimmy? Yeah, let's go Chapel, yeah do you know what I'm talking about? I saw him out of corner. We're establishing where Carlos Sainz went off and someone may have overtaken him. I'll give you that clue. Hang- I'd go with hanger straight. I'd go with hanger straight. That's what I'd go with. But he didn't get overtaken. It was going on was to the hanger ever- straight. I suppose he did get actually did get overtaken on the. Oh, I, I, straight, I, I was but, still. I mean, oh, sorry, I was still on the first lap because you missed a big incident with uh, Perez and Leclerc hitting each other, which has quite a big impact on the race. Right, Jimmy, go. So Verstappen overtook uh, Leclerc. Oh, overtook. Le- oh no! Didn't do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a disaster. Okay, so Verstappen overtook Sainz when Sainz had a problem exiting Maggots and Beckett's. Then Verstappen had a problem in the same corner, but it appears that there was damage to his car, so Sainz retook the lead. And then I can't remember what happened after that, so someone else is going to have to take over. (laughs) Verstappen pitted. He thought it was a puncher, however, we later found out that it was damage to his floor that was slowing him. He would later finish in seventh position. But what could his title rivals make of it? Well, Perez couldn't make much of it, or so you would have thought, because he had to go to the back of the field to change his front wing, which got damaged in the second restart when he and Leclerc and Sainz had a bit of a coming together. It was all getting a bit clumsy. And there was some close racing there, and there was some close racing. I know I've repeated myself. There was some close racing between the two Ferraris. There was a bit of argy-bargy on the team radio about who uh, should pass and who should... I think that's a nerf. So this whole time, while the Ferraris are scrapping, Lewis Hamilton slowly gaining in the background, bringing that gap down from about five seconds to about 1.5 seconds when the Ferraris finally decided to pit. Lewis Hamilton stayed out that whole time trying to do the overcut, but just as it looked like he was going to come out in between the Ferraris, slow stop ended up being about four seconds back. He then ends up reeling them in again, but just as we're about to get to the flashpoint, Esteban Ocon, he's going slowly. He pulls over. It's a safety car. And so came one of the best restarts that we've ever seen in Formula One history. We had five cars going for the podium positions. We had Charles Leclerc up ahead on hard, cold tyres, but the others behind, including Carlos Sainz. Sergio Perez and Lewis Hamilton, not necessarily in that order because Perez was behind Hamilton initially. They were on warm, gooey, grippy, soft tyres, and they made use of that at the restart, overtaking Carlos Sainz. Well, Carlos... Oh, no. Ah. (laughs) It's going to fall to Jimmy now. Overtaking... 
That's a hesitation <laughs> to Joe. What we what followed was an immense battle between Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez, Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc, Fernando Alonso, and Lando Norris all in the mix, and he stopped. Well, I tell you who stopped in the lead at the end of the race. I will in a minute when I finish this ramble that I am on right now. <laughs> it was it was. Carlos Sainz, for the first time ever, he managed to get past his slower teammate, walked away a bit, and he had just enough of a gap. Once, one of the most iconic battles between Perez, Hamilton, and Charles Leclerc, which I'm sure we'll talk more of in a few moments' time, it was incredible. They finished the battle with Carlos Sainz winning his first race. The Spanish national anthem played across Silverstone, which I'm sure pleased Nadine Doris as she stood on the podium before the Italian national anthem came out as Ferrari had won their first race in what must be about six or seven races. I think it's seven races, actually. You had Sergio Perez. How did he get back to second with a brilliant drive there? And Lewis Hamilton in third position with what could have been a race winning drive but it was still great for the home hero and before i end this brilliant speech where i have won once again shout out the fans because you made silverstone special once again it was more than four hundred thousand over the weekend thank you and thank you for the victory joe and jimmy <laughs> You're very welcome. Oh, you you got better since last week, Joe. I've got to say. Oh yeah, I had a really good mid. I had I had the middle of the race on lockdown. I thought I thought you had me at the end when it, when it fell to you after Jimmy had a chance, didn't he? But I spent too, I had to, I spent mm. too much effort listing the drivers involved. Yeah, I should have just yeah. said. <laughs> at least I got them right. I got them. I got them right and in order. So I was I unlike was right. me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as us three enjoyed that. Because yeah, Which was I not think... very much. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed listening back to it. Uh, anyway. Right then. So we what's our first award? It's usually biggest winner. Who was our biggest winner? There were many. But we'll start with you, Jimmy. As as someone um, that would say who your biggest winner is, not necessarily our biggest winner, although you might consider yourself a big winner. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. However, I think that science is um, the biggest winner uh, this week. Uh, first win in 150 races. Um, and yeah, he. I have to say, I think Ferrari weren't very decisive and they, their race strategy at the sort of beginning of the race wasn't that great because I think that Leclerc had the, the, the faster car and I think that if... Everything. If there wasn't a safety car, I think that yeah, Hamilton would have probably won the race um, due to Ferrari being indecisive. Um, but because uh, Science has won uh, his first race, uh, it's got to be Science for me. No, good shout, and not just the first race win in 150 races. The only race win in 150. His first, and I'm sure it's his special and a glass ceiling that he has gone through now. Um, and, and a brilliant drive. He might not have had the pace of the two people he was fighting, but he was there at the end to make it count, wasn't he, Joe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, once the safety car came, uh, came in and he was behind Charles Leclerc on those softer tyres, I think there was only going to be one winner in terms of Leclerc and Sainz. Um, the threat from behind, he did well to sort of get past Leclerc as quick as he did, um, while Perez and Lewis were stuck behind and that ultimately gave him the gap for victory yeah it was one of those races where you almost wanted another five or ten laps to to let the top three close back up and have another scrap didn't you yeah Uh, but i'm not going to be greedy because my biggest winner is the f1 fans in general they they had such a great weekend i mean if if you were there in Silverstone, it might not have been easy sitting around in the rain for Friday and Saturday. But Saturday, we love a wet qualifying on a drying track where people are pounding round, setting faster and faster times. And it, it delivered again with a brilliantly entertaining 
qualifying session and then that race as as i've already waxed lyrical about um superb absolutely incredible and i think probably the best race i've seen since maybe hungry last year and i think hungry last year was my favorite race of 2021 mm -hmm. uh, but i i also think that it shows that the new regulations for these cars they worked on a proper circuit not one of these 90 degree street circuits that the f1 seem intent on going to a bit more but when you go back to places like silverstone and we'll find out again um in austria in just a week's time to see how it fares there it looks like uh, the racing is good and that's what we love to see don't we Indeed, yeah, I'm, yeah i'm happy we're entering a period of the calendar where there's a lot of actual racetracks because weirdly actual racetracks tend to be a little bit better for racing than uh things that aren't racetracks almost as if they were designed for it but there we go i think that what you mentioned as well adam earlier about the uh the new regulations coming in for france are quite interesting uh, regarding the floor uh, that could tighten the field up as well yeah so do you want to expand a bit on that i see that you've i see that i see that you've got your pen in your hand which gives you a bit of authority when it comes to technical talk <laughs> Indeed, yeah. As though so, you've been sketching uh, something out already. <laughs> yeah, this is sort of technical corner with James. So, um, I'll t talk about it. So, um, the floors have a flex of uh, two millimetres. Um, that's what the regulations stipulate. Uh, however, Red Bull and Ferrari uh, have managed to get six mil of flex. And uh, for all of our listeners, that means that they can run close to the ground and it seals the floor in. So you basically get more downforce and more ground effects. And it um, limits the porpoising, right? It does indeed. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and they also run with a higher rake, uh, something that Mercedes can't do. Um, and yeah, uh, apparently um, it might be quite significant. And I think that's why there was a bit of uh, argy-bargy in Canada about the uh, new regulations. Yeah, well, we will see in France, I suppose. But I, I, I know that both Toto Wolff and Otmar Safanauer, the, the team boss of Alpine, both of them said that they were kind of shocked that a technical directive had come in to, to clarify that one because it, it was an area that they had not realised people might be exploiting. So we will see. Will it advantage Red I, I would imagine it disadvantages Red Bull the most if it's some if it's going to make them porpoise a bit more because that's the only team other than McLaren until recently that that has not been porpoising. So True. It, yeah. it would be interesting to see if the fastest car gets pegged back. Uh how far it gets pegged back. It'll be interesting to see, especially with a nearing Mercedes to the front after the the upgrades that they had this weekend many cars had upgrades but it looked like mercedes made a step closer to those top two didn't they joe uh yeah they definitely seemed closer i think they'd be quite disappointed where they they qualified to be honest because if they'd have managed to get in with there i think the mercedes could have won today and it would it would have been interesting to see if lewis could have started in third place where you would have thought he would have been able to after he had made up two positions in that initial race start. Yeah, or if he didn't, even if he didn't lose the place to Lando off the the start of the second one, that cost him that cost him about four or five seconds. So, yeah, perhaps a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, but, but nine wins in Silverstone—it's obscene if he if he would have got that. Um, Got to say, Jimmy really nicely explained thank you for that um and you're I welcome hope... yeah we all pen of, the pen of authority that's what i'm going to call this i'll put this on my safe so uh, when, when, you, know, you can pick I'll it up whenever you want about... to command respect on your technical terms um exactly yeah <laughs> right so i believe we are awaiting a biggest winner from you jc yep and i'll go with mick schumacher finally scoring his first point in F1 after one and a half seasons, after many predictions. Um, but Mostly yeah, you. So great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good result for him. Um, 
I think you told me the other day that he was coming under a bit of pressure if he wasn't going to start uh, scoring points soon for his seat, even in the mid-season. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be quite a big relief for him uh, and a big result. And for Kevin Magnussen to be in the points too, that's huge for Haas after a, a few disappointing races since uh, the start of the season where they they had a great start. So maybe that will continue. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, let's go over to our biggest loser. And we'll stay with you, Joe. Who is it going to be? Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> what about biggest loser made you think of me? Um, I think, really, it's Charles Leclerc. He clearly had the pace to win today um, and was cast by, by Ferrari, really, if we're being honest. Um, they should have swapped Sainz and Leclerc in that initial stint in the race where it was clear that Leclerc was faster. Um, when they eventually did swap them, Leclerc was clearly faster. Um, and then they left him on the hard tyres at the safety car, um, with basically leaving him with an impossible job to defend against the cars behind. So I think all round, just even you can class Ferrari as the biggest loser as well if you want to, which sounds weird because they won because because they won the race. Um, but uh, if you look at their actual performance, it really was a bit of a farce. And there was about a nine-second gap between Leclerc and Sainz, so I I don't know if Leclerc had passed the pit entry at at that point. I now apparently Leclerc had an eleven-second window to get into the pits. So. So they really, in hindsight, they really should have double stacked and had them both in the pit lane getting the fresh tyres mm-hmm. rather than leaving Leclerc out to dry. Um, yeah, clearly. I mean, worst case scenario, worst case scenario, Leclerc would have come out. Uh, no, because it would have been Science obviously coming in second. So worst case scenario, they'd have been one and three on the track, everyone on equal tyres. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's not good. No, so... Um, We'll give it to Leclerc because I think you can't say Ferrari fully, but they could have been the biggest losers mm-hmm. if things had gone differently for them. Um, so, yeah, good shout there. And I probably nearly went for that. Jimmy, <laughs> what what are you going to go for in terms of your biggest loser? Uh, I'd have to agree with Joe. Um, I think that Ferrari were very indecisive, as I said before, uh, especially at the, the start of the race. Uh, I think they, in hindsight, they should let Leclerc go uh, as soon as Max Verstappen had that issue um, because Hamilton was just getting closer and closer and obviously Leclerc had the, the better race pace even though he had, I think, 5% less downforce with his front wing being broken. So God knows what it would be like with uh, a, uh, a proper wing. He would be lightning quick, I, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a real shame because... When Leclerc has a day like that, you really need to capitalise. So he, he needed to finish first, to be honest. Um, and he's only made about six or seven points on Verstappen. Six points. Um, six points, where he could have and, you know, had 20-point change. So, um, so yeah, Leclerc, I'd have to say. Yeah, and oh, I, I, I can't make it three of us agreeing on something. That would be wrong. So mm-hmm. uh, what what I might do before I potentially come back to that decision is talk about some of the other potential options for this award. I think Alpha Tauri, they they had a bit of a shocker and it ended in the two cars coming together. They they didn't really have the pace most of the weekend. Um and you can't have teammates coming together like that. You can't part there. Alpha Romeo had a double DNF as well so they also did uh but i think the fact that joe guanyu who who we've mentioned had a horror accident already at the start of the race the fact that he is okay and walked away yeah that's that probably means that it's not so much of a loss it puts it into perspective and that's actually a huge win that he's okay also you could point at f1 or red bulls pr particularly at the beginning of the week as big losers um, with all the different things going on. Uh, But I think I'm going to come back to (laughs) agreeing with you. Charles Leclerc is the biggest loser here. He had to win that race when Max Verstappen went into problems like that. Um, You could almost argue that Max Verstappen is 
the smallest loser, if you will. Because yeah. He, he, because he, he minimised the damage. So, so, yeah. The moment of the weekend is what we will discuss next. And I believe it's my turn to begin. And I already touched on it. It was those final 12 laps of what was already... I'm running out of superlatives to describe this race, but it was a bloody good one, um, <laughs> as the Aussies out there say. <laughs> I don't even know if they say it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's an, an Aussie phrase, actually. But So, yeah, I've, I've gone for that. Have you have either of you got anything more to add? I think we've all we've all said how great that that battle was. Can you think of any other great battles as good as that in F1 to compare it to? No, not involving that many cars. Um I can think of like certain sort of one-to-one battles that we've been spoiled with over the past few years, but um sort of involving three or four cars swapping backwards and forwards, not knowing who's going to come out on top. Uh, I think that's been the best one in recent memory. The the only ones that I can think of were both at Silverstone. I think um, Alonso versus Vettel in 2014. Yeah. And Leclerc versus Verstappen versus Vettel uh, in 2019, was it? That's the one. Yeah, so... So Silverstone brings great racing. So you 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 got to give it up for them. But, but still, yeah, that that final chapter of a masterpiece of a race yeah that that was great that was really really good jimmy what was your moment of the week i'd have to agree with you to be honest that um the uh the the, the last 12 laps is just great um however i would uh, would I, i'm gonna uh, deviate from that because i just thought of a cracking one um and that is um the fans reception to the british drivers I've just thought that it was absolutely incredible. The roar that Hamilton got. The whole weekend. Yeah, the roar that Hamilton got, Norris, Russell. It's just incredible um, and great. And Hamilton looked like he was on such good form as well, talking to all the fans, you know, signing caps and things like that. And it's just, just really lovely to see um, because, yeah, we all love Formula One. And, you know, how amazing would it be to meet your hero? It's something you'd take to the grave with you and remember, remember for the rest of your life. So, yeah. Um, I certainly will. Drivers as a whole, yeah. Of course, you've have you you've been about a foot from Hamilton, right? I've shook his Two hand. I oh, have you. Oh, very good. Twenty seventeen on the pit straight, where he jumped in the crowd, did some crowd surfing. I was the first person whose hand he shook. Wow, what a what a story! And and it, it speaks to exactly what you're saying in terms of your your moment of the weekend. Uh, that interaction between heroes and fans, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It is, yeah. And also, uh, shout out to Formula 1. I've been quite critical of Formula 1 over the last few podcasts about how they're too commercialised and all that sort of stuff. But they're bringing more people into F1, uh, a broader demographic. Um, I think there's more women engagement as well uh, over the race weekend. I think I was at like 25% or something, a large amount like that. So that's fantastic. Um, and yeah. Formula 1 seems to be going in a really good direction at the moment. It's healthy, isn't it? And whatever uh, the voices of old might say, it really doesn't matter. Um, Mm. (laughs) Because we're moving in a different direction. Um, Joe, your moment of the week, please. It obviously was that battle. I don't think anyone can uh, say anything different. Like, that's that's what we all tune in for. That's what you want to see. Um... But I suppose secondary moment got to be Lando Norris getting hit in the face with a space hopper. Oh, (laughs) good shout, good shout. (laughs) That's one of my favourite things about Silverstone, the Thursday F1 show, where all the drivers come out on the pit straight. And, oh, that was class. If you haven't seen that, where have you been? (laughs) Go go on YouTube. I mean, who doesn't want to see someone get hit in the face with a space hopper? I mean... By Daniel Ricciardo. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Top quality entertainment. All round. Superb. Although, I'm surprised neither of you have mentioned what um, Sebi Vettel got up to before the race began. That was tremendous. I mean, this, the, uh, uh, probably should explain what happened. So, uh, <laughs> back in 2020, uh, 
Vettel brought Nigel Mansell's Red 5, the famous 92-winning uh, Williams. Um, and he's had it sitting in uh, Williams' factory at Grove. Um, and it's the first time that he's had a go in it, uh, which is really lovely. And the even better thing about it is that he ran it on synthetic fuel, um, which, you know, I think is a brilliant thing because uh, synthetic fuels... Uh, carbon neutral and uh, we're moving to that um, more sort of carbon neutral territory uh, and I think that you know it's it's not only good for this uh, application but into wider society it'd be fantastic but anyway um, yeah amazing sound I mean what a roar that car's got it's incredible and it's, it's pleasing isn't it that you can use um, these more sustainable fuels and have such a great noise coming out of the back of that car um, which yeah because it's, it's exactly the same engine yeah so it, it might it might it might give f1 a potential option in the future uh, to go down maybe once uh, it's, it's old age technology to have a hybrid v6 engine which you could argue is already coming up quite soon with electric cars becoming mandatory from which year is it? It's it's very soon. Twenty thirty, but a lot of yeah, it's quite a way off. But a lot of countries are trying to push back because they don't think it's um, yeah, they don't think it's feasible. Um, which I sort of get because I think only sort of one percent of the current UK, or less than one percent of the current UK cars are electric. So it's going to take a hell of a lot of take up to get electric cars up sort of up and running. So, so potentially. Sebastian Vettel has has given Formula One something to think about as well as something to drink in and enjoy before uh, the race. If if you went to Silverstone today, you, you, you can't have had a bad day, could you? <laughs> Seeing definitely not. God, I just loved it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh. And there there was quite a nice moment at the end of that where you had Sebastian Vettel, Nigel Mansell. Uh, a few engineers that were involved in it and then Lewis Hamilton just because he's everywhere when it, it comes to Silverstone um, just involved in the photo <laughs> because the, he he was the first person that, that you saw going over on, on the feed not that you could miss him in his long black coat and his neon green uh, hat <laughs> just going over straight over to have a chat with Seb <laughs> <laughs> and then well, no, yeah. and then Nigel Mansell took Lewis's hand and, and kind of took him over to the fans to be embraced and then took his hat off and bowed down to him um, yeah it, it was it was all very wholesome it's got to be said um, and I know that that is no one's moment of the of the, of the weekend well of us three, but we've still discussed it because it was still quite a cool moment. And there were many others, I'm sure. Should we move on to the honourable mention? Uh, well, my mine was Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes in general. Uh, they look like they're back in the fight to a certain extent for wins. Maybe not for the championship. That's probably <laughs> gone. Unless Red Bull do get really clawed back uh, uh, Mm -hmm. come the French Grand Prix and something unforeseen happens but or these reliability issues hurt them uh, later on in the season yes like you were saying uh, and because Mercedes seem touch wood the most reliable <laughs> team of the top three at the moment um, it was almost surprising that you didn't have a Red Bull or, or a Ferrari breaking down today yeah just 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 breaking the uh, whatever it was on the Red Bull uh, of Max's that broke. Nobody yeah. knows, but caused a hell of a lot of performance deficit. Though I mean, uh, 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 Schumacher got forced off the track by of a slapping, didn't he? Oh no! Here we go. At Luffield. Yeah. Where's and that then, come from? I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> What's that relevant towards? Deficit. Because you know, I'm not Verstappen's greatest fan. Oh really? Right, Jimmy, lay out your honourable mention, please. Uh, I'd have to say Sebastian Vettel. Um, I think he, he was out in Q1, I'm not sure, I think he's P17. Yeah. Um, then he came back and finished P8, was it? Or P9? Nine. Nine. So, yeah, great race from him. Um, maybe he channeled his inner mantle from driving the car earlier in the day. 
Um, but yeah, great drive from from Seb, and uh, yeah, he seems to be getting his mojo back after a difficult start to the year. A, a happy Seb is a happy F1, isn't it, Joe? As you've said in the past many a time. Yeah, I mean, good guy. So great driver. So there you go. Um, yeah, who who was your honourable mention, Joe? I think it's got to be Nicholas Latifi getting into Q three. Um, not traditionally the greatest qualifier very difficult conditions uh, up against a teammate who's had his car upgraded but Latifi's wasn't upgraded um, but yeah he got it, got it into Q3 on pace so great performance from him on Saturday uh, couldn't quite convert it into points today. I'm not sure that was expected he, he was out of position wasn't he yeah definitely No, but it was a, a great shout all the same so shout out Nicky shout out Sebi Shout out Louis, as he's called in Brazil. So it's come to that moment that we love. It's the AJ on the line, line of the week. And I've got to apologise at the beginning of this one. Because I realised in our last episode, our special, where we're reacting to your comments, I called it the AJ on the line of the week, which is just not the name. So... I apologise for that. I apologise to the award and the fans of that award. And I, I'd like to consider myself <laughs> a fan of that award. And I know how much it hurt me. So I want to begin this section with an apology. Uh, I realised this on listening to it back. And uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joe, do you want to begin? Uh, yeah. Um, to be fair, right, I'm not really sure what my line is because I've just opened my my notes and I haven't actually written what was said, but I've written uh, Carlos Sainz telling Ferrari to do one at the uh, at the safety car restart. <laughs> did um, he actually use yeah. those words? No, I've just written that because that, that was what he did, wasn't it? It was um, critical, I'm not though. sure exactly what he said. I think he said something along the lines of, no, you can't ask me to do this. Um, but in effect, oh one two one do one. In effect, he essentially told Ferrari to do one um, as he was right behind his teammate on the much fresher tyres, clearly in the much better place to win the race. Um, and they wanted him to create a gap to uh, protect Charles Leclerc, but that would have made him so vulnerable to Perez and Hamilton behind. Um, and, you know, if he was stuck defending that, I don't think he he or Charles would have won the race. So a good decision for Carlos to override his team in that case. It's a risky situation, isn't it, defying team orders? Because if you get it, if you defy it and you're wrong, you look a bit silly. But yeah, correct decision. Lovely stuff. I like that one. Jimmy, your AJ on the line, line of the week. My AJ on the line, a line of the week, was um, with the uh, Ted's notebook on Saturday, and he was going through all the lines, and he he uh, he said something about Christian Horner being booed, um, and um, it was quite funny because Ted Kravitz said that uh, I didn't hear any booing from Max Verstappen, so maybe it was Christian Horner being booed instead, uh, which I thought was quite amusing because uh, he ha- does somewhat have the sort of pantomime villain sort of uh yeah especially in britain with you know lewis hamilton and all that sort of stuff so i just thought that it made me chuckle a bit yeah on that uh, because of our previous podcast during the red flag period there was a meeting of uh max verstappen christian horner helmet marco jos verstappen and adrian newey and <laughs> i said out loud slivering unite <laughs> <laughs> So it just it just reminded me of our previous episode. It made me laugh. Um, I've got a silly one and a serious one for my AJ on the line line of the week. I'm g- I'm going to give you two like I did for the previous award. Uh, I feel like I'm really being generous today, or indecisive. It's up to you to decide on that one. I see what you did there. So my silly one first of all comes from Scott Mitchell from the race. He tweeted, what's the best manga? Iron, Fish, War or Billy? Because, you know, Billy Munger. Oh, I do know him. Well, not personally, but... But you know of He's him. He's a great commentator. 
Do you listen to the Channel 4 coverage? I don't know, but I watched the W series where he commentates. Oh, yes, he does on there. And he, he did the interviews yeah. for qualifying, didn't he? Or post-qualifying. He did, yeah, but I, I noticed on the, the W series uh, commentary, he was really incisive. Uh, incisive yeah. and sort of, uh, yeah, really really good how, about talking about different lines going around Silverstone and where it's good to overtake and that sort of stuff, um, which was really good. So, yeah, very good. Definitely. So that was my silly one. And my sensible AJ on the line line of the week is coming up. I'm just going back a bit. I think it was Tuesday. Do you know what? It comes It comes from Mercedes AMG on Twitter. Because their line was Imagine. And posted a photo of Lewis Hamilton with the Union Jack celebrating with the fans. And... I did nearly imagine that. But, of course, this was a play on words with what had happened um, earlier in the week when it came out that uh, former triple world champion Nelson Piquet Sr. had referred to Hamilton with a racial slur and a homophobic slur as well, just to just to make sure that he hit him with both barrels. Um, and, of course, this is not the sort of behaviour that is acceptable in any part of humanity, um, including sport. And yeah, it was just it was just disappointing that there was that dark cloud going over Formula One, especially alongside Bernie Eccleston backing Putin and all that, uh, or effectively backing Putin and defending him. Uh, it just felt like there was a dark cloud, like I said. But fortunately, despite the rain... It was a superb weekend and, and there wasn't that much talk of it as we leave Silverstone, which is great. But I think, yeah, Lewis Hamilton responded to a tweet or, or quote retweeted a tweet which said, what if Lewis Hamilton tweeted who the F is Nelson PK then closed Twitter and Lewis Hamilton shared that and said, imagine, um, which alongside his his wider message that he put with that saying uh, that it's not just about language it's about changing the archaic mindset of of these people and educating people on on what is right uh, uh, um, not even right what is a fair way to treat a human being and why 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 are we doing this still um anyway I think that it, it was a classy way that Lewis Hamilton came back. It would have been even sweeter if he got the victory after all of that at the end of the mm. weekend. But I think the way that he drove proved to everyone that he is still one of, if not the greatest drivers on the grid. Well, ever. <laughs> I think we can establish that, can't we? It was, it was just great to see him doing what he does best. And what a battle, him and Leclerc. It was clean. It was brave it was simply stunning breathtaking and that is what lewis hamilton is all about creating a performance like that creating a spectacle like that and being fair about it i think that's probably how he'll be remembered won't he you're absolutely right the racing was superb uh, between Hamilton and Leclerc um, coming into the sort of Luffield complex and, and yeah the sort of Perez got in the mix as well and Hamilton overtook them and then you know Perez overtook Hamilton and yeah it was just a, a crazy race and you know it, it's a shame that the comments of Nelson Piquet overshadowed the Grand Prix um, because we don't really, really want to be having negative conversations like that. I understand we have to because the you know it's important to call people out and that sort of stuff. But it's a shame that it overshadowed it. Yeah, in the spirit of calling people out, I think I'll call Max Verstappen out because I know he's in an awkward position in that Nelson PK Senior is his father outlaw, if you like, because is his girlfriend's yeah. father. But he is a world champion. He has an opportunity this weekend to call out racism, but instead he says he's not a racist. Red Bull didn't even make a statement on it. Christian Horner defended it by saying, oh, well, we, we did sack our junior driver who was also racist using this language. That says a lot about the toxicity of that team, and it's, it's, a, it's a shame that Max Verstappen can't be a true world champion, in my opinion, because only true world champions 
raise communities as well as trophies. And I think Sebastian Vettel shows that. I think Lewis Hamilton mm. shows that. I think if you look at some of the greatest champions from across the world, they show that. And that's no dig at what happened in Abu Dhabi. I just think that world champions should be setting a better example and thinking bigger than um, what's in front of them. And yeah, I feel passionately about that. And I'm leaving it on the record that I'm disappointed that F1's world champion from last year can't look at the bigger picture um, and take a stand. I understand that it would have put him in a difficult situation, but sometimes you need to be the bigger man out here. Yeah, I agree. You said a lot of things there, which are good, yeah. I'm taking a breath, you can talk for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I think you said everything that needed to be said on that issue. Yeah, right. So I, I, I know that that was kind of a downbeat way to, to do it. So what I will say is this. Let's, let's think about where this race ranks amongst the British Grand Prix that we've seen because it's got to be up there. Is it as good as Silverstone 2008? I think in terms of an actual race, yeah. I do too. I think Silverstone 2008 was just one of the most impressive individual performances that anyone's ever done. Um, And obviously it was a very chaotic race. Um, This was a different kind of thing where it was just pure excitement. Yeah, and, and it goes back to what we were saying. There's not really another race that stands out for having so much of a battle for the lead throughout the race and not knowing who was going to win until maybe the last four laps. And Mm. that's what really made this race so special. The British Grand Prix is always special and Silverstone more often than not delivers. Uh, But, oh, oh, I go back to making those noises because I'm out of words to (laughs) describe this one. Uh, So Again, it shows what happens when you get on an actual racetrack take notes f1 please indeed indeed um so so we'll leave without that positive but we don't have long until the austrian grand prix not the australian grand prix as i very nearly said um so (laughs) so we're going to leave these great people that have been listening if they are still listening (laughs) with some predictions and i believe it's time to begin with Jimmy with his sensible prediction for the Austrian Grand Prix next weekend. Verstappen win, I would say. I think that's a safe bet, to be honest. Yeah, I would agree because, uh, I mean, look, it's A, it's Red Bull's own track and B, it's essentially three long straights with... How many corners has it got? Like, ten? Nine, yeah. I think... I think I think it's like nine, and one of those is they they count a little a kink, kink on the straight as as yeah. a corner. So yeah, it's certainly what you would expect Red Bull to do well. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to. <laughs> it's boring to say it, but I guess that's what these sensible predictions are for. Max Verstappen is go- I, actually. I'll say a Red Bull is going to win just to broaden it out a bit and be that little bit different, and and maybe play it even more safe in doing so. Uh, so. Yeah, let's go back to you, Jimmy, then, for your bold prediction, please. My bold prediction is a um, Mercedes double podium. Um, I think with the steps they've made so far with um, the car, I think, you know, it's going in the right direction. I don't think that it's bold, I'd say. Yeah, that's what I'd say about it, to be honest. Joe? I'm going to say... Oh, I don't know. I'm going to say a Aston Martin top five. I don't think Ooh. they'll get a podium. However, the past two races, they have looked incredibly quick in the race. They've just been put down the grid because they seem to have a car that can't drive in moisture. Um, it doesn't, doesn't, it really doesn't seem to like the wet, that Aston Martin. Um, and it's ruined their last two qualifying. So I think if they can get, you know, up into... Q3, um, maybe they can be on for a really good result in a in a in a full dry weekend. And I'll point out that my last prediction I did uh, did predict mixed weather conditions, and uh, oh, so we all sort of qualified on that. Um, so uh, thank you very much. I think I think that my bold prediction 
goes with what you have both said actually because i think that i'm going to that there is going to be two technical failures for one of the the three big teams of mercedes ferrari and red bull mm-hmm. we we know how prone to reliability two of those teams are uh, but we've also seen mercedes have technical issues there in the past in in the well it's in the hills isn't it it's higher altitude yeah. things can more likely go wrong so i think it's one of those races that you could be watching with bated breath right until the end once again we saw in the Austrian Grand Prix in 2016, how that race was decided on the last lap. So it has the potential to be thrilling till the end around that track. And 19 as well. Of course, yes. So Leclerc and Verstappen. So that could is, well happen again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who knows? Well, what would the point be if anyone did know? quite frankly and that's why we will all tune in when it's the austrian grand prix next weekend uh thank you joe thank you jimmy it's been great to discuss this brilliant british grand prix uh, with you both and it's been great to speak to you wherever you are listening to this once again we really appreciate you taking the time to do so uh if you've got a moment Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and leave a rating or or a review uh, just to let other people know how good this podcast is. Because I I think we're pretty good, aren't we? Definitely, yeah. Of course, world class. Yeah. <laughs> although, although there's sometimes a debate between Joe and Jimmy about who's who the star is. <laughs> um, yeah. We all bring different you, things to the table, I think. Yeah. Yes, we do. Um, and if you do like what we bring to the table, let us know. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you again. Get in touch with us and look out for other content on ajontheline.com or on my instagram at adamjw44 or go to tiktok for aj on the line content there um see you in about a week's time thank you very much for listening uh danke as they say where we're going next but we're in britain for now so cheers all and have a good one <laughs>